Welcome to Once and Future Authors, Changing Lives One Book at a Time. I'm Stephanie Larkin, an author, independent publisher, and book coach. And each week we will be discussing processes and strategies to get your book finished and published and meet authors and publishing experts to tap into their experiences and expertise. There is one book out there that can change your life, and that is the book you write. So welcome aboard. This podcast is produced by Red Penguin Books, an independent publishing company working with authors of all genres. Whether you have a manuscript all ready to go, a book still stuck in your head, or perhaps even hundreds of handwritten sheets of loose leaf shoved in a drawer, visit redpenguinbooks.com and unleash your inner author. Welcome to the show. I'm Stephanie, and I'm so delighted to be joined with Robert Brian, author of the Dark Knight series and a host of other books we're going to hear about. Robert, thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled to have you. Um, wow, you brought two books, but I know there's like 15 more because I visited that Amazon page. Do you have time to do anything but write books? <laughs> well, I actually, uh, I still work full time and I also teach, uh, I'm an adjunct professor at Farmingdale College. I teach there a couple of nights a week, and whenever I can get in, and I write. And somehow you're writing mm -hmm. while you're on the LIE. I don't know how you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> You've written about 15 books in the past two years. About, yeah. Okay, so all of my authors who say they have no time to write even that one book a year. Margaret Mitchell, who took 10 years to write Gone with the Wind, she's got nothing on you. And these are actual, like, wow, love that, love that. <laughs> so tell me about how you got into writing. I've always liked to write, uh, and I, I, I took it for granted, and especially after I went on to the police department, I realized how, for some people, writing was uh, a fate worse than death, that uh, people would rather do anything than write. But that write, and public speaking. True, yes. true. Um, but writing just comes easy to me. That's right. And I had started, though, um, many years ago. I started probably in around 2006, 2007, I started writing the book, which turned out to be C-Case, and I just would start and stop and start and stop. Because this is the 10-year book. Yes. Okay. <laughs> never got to, never really got into where I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then um, at one point, now it's about three years ago, I had finally decided to finish with my education, finish my master's. And... I did an online program which involved a heck of a lot of writing. Oh, it, was in, it was an intense and it was a, a, a course that only took me uh, a year and a half to complete, but it was, there's, it was a tremendous a lot of writing with it. And once I finished that program, I guess it was muscle memory. I was just so used to writing that I said, if now, if there was ever going to be a time I was going to finish this, now is going to be the time. So I just kept doing it finished it and I guess it was like turning a faucet on. I just have just continued writing on a regular basis. It sounds when you say it about doing so many books in a couple of years, it sounds a lot more impressive than I actually feel <laughs> feel it to be. Well, uh, you haven't been yelling your Amazon page, I have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't it just flowed and it didn't feel like you were pushing no, a marathon or no, anything. Not at all. Well isn't that fabulous? Yeah. You're actually doing something <laughs> that you're enjoying doing it, and it doesn't even feel like 
a chore. I mean, I, I, I've seen how many books have piled up. So this is the first one. This is the one that opened the floodgates. Yes. Which I'm so thrilled. And and then after this, there are, what, five books in the Dark Knight series? Four. Four books. Hopefully to be five. Another one. A <laughs> um, couple of mysteries, novels, and a host of nonfiction books out there. Yes. You just keep, keep them going. I love that. I absolutely love that. Now, that's like three different types of books. I know you have um, novel mystery types, you know, decidedly fiction. You have the Dark Knight series, which is um, fabulous stuff. I really enjoyed this. The Dark Humor of Police Officers. Tell me a little bit about what inspired this. When I started writing, uh, when I was looking for a subject after C-Case, and I was thinking that, well, you write what you know, and I had spent 20 years in the New York City Police Department, and I was looking for some kind of a niche that I could uh, fall into with that. And I know there's, you know, thousands of people that solved the crime of the century, uh, and, you know, unfortunately, I didn't solve the crime of the century <laughs> during my career, but one thing that uh, I, I always think uh, cops are some of the funniest people out there, and there's so many stories that I experienced, that friends of mine experienced, and the niche with that is that there are times that I've told stories to people who don't come from policing, and they don't find it funny. They, and and so y y you either get it or you don't get this. Right. But I just found that the humor, and that's where I get in with the dark humor, because it's material that might, to some others, be morbid, <laughs> might be tragic at times, right, right. but in the circumstances of policing, it can be found very funny. And I think that's a necessity of with, with the job, because there can be so much inherent stress. Cops... When they're working, they tend to see people at their worst. You know, they don't go to somebody's house because they're having a party and they want to see them. They're going to there under very, very, um, it could be very tragic and, and very challenging circumstances. Somebody's sick, somebody's dead, somebody's a victim of a crime. And if all of this is internalized, it, it can work on your health. So sometimes this dark humor is something that's very healthy for, for, for a cop. They need that, that outlet. Yes, no, that makes perfect mm -hmm. sense. And you figured there's a little niche. I'll yeah. And how's the reception been to this? It's been very good. Um, it's with uh, that's actually why I, I made it a series because when I was getting Sea Case ready, uh, Dark Nights was kind of like an afterthought to keep writing, and it's been by far my my most popular book, wow. and that's why the. The, That's why we're up to number four. Right, and they play off each other. As I've learned, as I've gone on this journey of being an author, learning how important it is to have series instead of standalone yes. books. Absolutely. And they, they play off one another. That's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Is your writing process different when you're writing something like Sea Case or, or one of your mystery novels than writing Dark Nights? 100% different because with the... Uh, with two areas with that with the with the dark nights and the stories the story's there already i'm not making them up i'm just telling them right. uh with the end i'm actually even though i'm keeping i've kept these books in chronological order with with my career with it it's still they're they're, they're standalone stories um with the 
mysteries and the thrillers, the fictional works, there's a lot more freedom in there that, you know, I can take this story anywhere I want it. Right. But the whole idea is now, you know, sketching out a story, making sense, trying to have a proper opening, a proper body, exactly. a proper conclusion right. to it, and trying to stay real. One of the things that I've, another niche, let's say, that I've that I try to develop with my mysteries and, and with the thrillers. I make them all uh, New York City based. And I try to keep that very real. I don't just, because one of the things that, with the reading I do, one of the things that if I'm gonna put a book down and not pick it up again, is if somebody is setting a story in New York City, but there's absolutely no detail to mm. it. It could be, it could be, could be anywhere. Right. Uh, that's, I, so, so I'm including landmarks. I'm including, I, I will make sure I have streets right if I'm referencing a cross street. And uh, so I try to keep it real that way, even in the, in, in, in the fictional genre. I so appreciate that. And I, I, I hate reading something. And A, if they get it wrong, like if I've been to the place and say, that's not where that is. That, that would make me crazy. I'll, I'll give you an example of that. There was a book that I read that was an excellent book that was a, uh, a book that, that was, was set in a transit policing environment in New York City subway. And that's my origin with that. The story was excellent. But they had the train lines all wrong. Oh, no. So... Oh. so <laughs> It's just they had the number two train on the east side. And, oh, and it, it, it and was you just, know that's yeah. not. Anybody in New York knows yeah. that's not. You know, what is he, an outsider? And he wrote it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I like what you said to start. Write what you know. You know, I, you wouldn't do that, you know, a book of this type that took place in L.A. if you don't know it very well. You know, writing what you know, and people think they want to write something more exotic. No, right? Write about it right, right here. That's why I have I have the utmost respect for uh, these authors that do research-based books because that's yes. besides probably I, I don't really read a lot of police-type books. I'll read more historical uh, nonfiction. Really? Okay. I like uh, I like about the American Revolution. I like Nathaniel Philbrook is one of the one of the my favorite authors. Does a lot with um, early Americana and the ability to make those stories come to life, keeping them real just based on research. That's to me that that that's an amazing skill and, and, and a knack to be able to do that. Yeah, they do have a lot of historical fiction is a lot of research. You're mm -hmm. absolutely right. But yours is research in another way, but it's internal research. You have to remember what actually happened so that you can reenact, or in the case of a fiction book, you know, research yourself. What street was that on? What do you think is going on here? You know. The most I've done with that was another, let's say, standalone book that I did, which was um, inspired by my son's profession, which was as a railroad conductor with the Long Island Railroad. And I did a book called Conductor, The Heart and Soul of the Railroad, which is really the history of the conductor profession. And his career inspired me with that because I had no idea. When he got that job, I had no idea what went into that. Wow. I thought, you know, going through the police academy was tough. This, um, what he had to go through with memorization of railroad signals and rules and the testing that went along with it, and if you... 
if you got one word in a definition wrong, it was considered completely wrong. And if you didn't pass these tests, you got fired. And it took three years before he was federally qualified. But oh, yeah. that that kind of inspired me to start researching railroad work and conductor work in general. And so that book it traces really the history of that whole profession. And it wasn't easy to 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 get and put together everything from I, I realized where where the actual and I hadn't realized this where the conductor profession originates from it originates from ship's captains really? and that's that's how it actually evolved um but now you say with that that book has actually done well <laughs> but it's standalone but the yes. thing is i don't know anything else about the railroad to write right, so you're not going to write <laughs> yeah, another yeah, one yeah it, it might have done well because you were the first yeah but uh you're right you're not going to be writing more of i'm those. not going to write about engineers am i <laughs> right no no i get that and i saw now you have you have an interesting collection of non-fiction books you have the railroad conductor you have a couple of books on public speaking yes tips uh what led you to do those are you constantly Speaking, is that part of a job requirement of yours? Yes, because I'm probably, if you would trace me back, I'm probably the least likely person to be involved with any type of public speaking. I am still, <laughs> if I'm in a group setting. Hey, you're here and you're doing great. If I'm in a class and there's a group of people, I'll be the person that will never raise their hand, will never volunteer or anything. It will have to be drawn out. I will just sit there and listen. And that's why the first chance I had is when I... Um, which is actually some of the stories in the Dark Knights books. When I um, went on to the police department, and after about five years, and at the time, you only had to have a high school uh, diploma to be a cop. Now oh, wow. they have all kinds of educational requirements, but uh, at the time, you only had to have high school. I had a bachelor's at the time, and it seemed like I'd have some of my friends would say, geez, you, you, know, you wasted your education just to become a cop. And then one day I saw there was a department bulletin which said they were looking for police academy instructors and the only real requirement was that you had to have a college degree. So I said, finally, something that uh, on this job that right. you need college for. So I applied for it, got interviewed for it, um, went through the process, I had to talk for five minutes on the word sock and just- uh, Sock? That was the thing, they put in front of you, <laughs> they put in front of you, I was on cameras, they put a bunch of index cards you picked an index card, looked at the word, they gave you 30 seconds to get your head together. My word was sock. And then in the front of an empty classroom, I had to then talk for a few minutes about the word sock. And after that, it was determined whether or not you were a good fit, and I was brought on to the police academy. So I guess your sock so, talk was... Yes. Are you going to write a book about it? Well, <laughs> but, um, but then being up in front of a classroom there, I just learn to kind of like the environment. I've done, I teach defensive driving classes. I've, you know, again, I'm in front of a, uh, I teach college now. Right, right. So I've had, you know, many environments from there where I do speak in a, in a, in a, in a public setting. Fabulous. I also saw um, that you have some nonfiction books about, um, I guess, self-defense or uh, keeping yourself safe. How would you say that? Right. Um, no, I wouldn't say self-defense. I'm not going to be doing Taekwondo or anything. No, right. no, no, no. no. But um, it's the actual uh, avoiding being the victim of a crime. Avoiding being the victim of a crime, yes. Right. You know, just, just certain basic things that a, a lot of it has to do with um, situational awareness, how uh, people kind of tend to, they, 
there's a sense of denial that is a, is, a, is a reflex that most people have where if something is happening, the first instinct is to deny it's happening. And in those few seconds, that could be the difference between life and death or mm -hmm. victimization or not victimization where uh, if, you know, if you were in a group setting and you were at a concert and all of a sudden there was a popping like there was sounded like there was shots, most people are going to say, nope, couldn't be shots. And they're not making any kind of efforts to look right. for an exit or anything like that. And part of that process then of situational awareness becomes when you enter that environment, you just take a moment and you say, exit's there, exit's there. If I ever had an emergency, I don't have to go through that thought process now. I know exactly where I'm going to try to go. Uh, you're in a restaurant. Again, you know where the exits are. You sit where you can see the entrances. It's, again, a lot of this is just very simple stuff. Right, right. I think I did hear that police officers always sit in a restaurant with their back against Absolutely. the wall facing, mm -hmm. yes? <laughs> That's the safe seat. Well, yes. so that you could see everything going on. Mm -hmm. Never with your back to the front door. Right. So now I know how to sc scout out the cops in a restaurant <laughs> if they're plain clothes. There you go. <laughs> so you're, you've got a lot of things that you're an expert at to be writing books at. I saw another book you have on impaired driving. Yeah, that, that was, a, uh, that was a, a really special work for me. Uh, and I really felt I had to write that because I had now, it's gonna be coming up on, it'll be eight years ago in December that uh, I was driving my daughter to school. She was a senior at Malloy College and it was a Monday morning where I used to be available on Monday mornings. So she was a licensed driver at the time, but you just, you know, take, especially this particular day, she was taking a final. So take some stress off her, drive her there for the final, pick her up later. And on the way over there, um, we were hit by a guy who ran a red light at a high rate of speed. And uh, he turned out he was, he was high on cocaine. And I was uh, critically injured, but she was killed in that, in that accident. And, uh, it's so it's just I you know I talk about her from time to time in the defensive driving classes that I do and I just felt that it was important to uh, to talk about this in a in, 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 in a book and if you know again if I'm you know if I'm the only person that reads this book I'm happy I did it gosh I am so sorry thank and you what an important book mm -hmm. I certainly hope you are not the only person to read that book because that is such a critical topic of our time. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, it's, it's out there on the streets every single day. You're a cop, you know that. Mm -hmm. So we have nonfiction on a host of topics. So from yes. you, I could learn how to speak in public and, uh, and how to be aware and where to sit in a restaurant and, and all these good things. And also mysteries and, and uh, what's next on the agenda for you. Um, uh, because of the knowledge I've gained with the series, I am going to try. Right now, I'm in the I'm in the realm of uh, trying to come up with a topic for Dark Knights Five. Because right now, you know, the cupboard is bare on on cop stories right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fifteen books in I two gotta, years. I'm not I surprised. I got to come up with something. I'm even thinking about the possibility of reaching out to other people and saying, "Would you like to?" get in an anthology that I will write okay. and then put your stories in, in, in there. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I'm going to try to come up with something for A Dark Knight's Five. Okay. And your mystery series, I think you're up to 
uh, two in that series. Is yes. there going to be more? Yes, I've actually, I've, I've, I've sketched out um, the story to it. Now I just have to start writing it. Okay. Which, you know, and once I get going with that, I, I'll get going. But I haven't, I haven't put anything other than just a, uh, an outline down Right. Yet. Well, speaking of which, tell me a little bit about writing process. Because you mentioned that your writing process for, say, Dark Nights is very different from a novel, which I'm sure is different from nonfiction. Are you an outliner, index cards, post-its, a big chart, or do you write into the dark and just hope it pours out? Uh, yes. <laughs> um, all the above. Um, I've, I'll outline for the especially for the mysteries I outline because I know where it has to go. I, I don't go into the mystery not knowing how, I mean, I know, you know how it's, know it's not it. a mystery to me how well, it's going to end. Okay, because I've uh, heard some people right, tell right, me that they're a little surprised by the right, end of their own book. Right, but um, the the Dark Knights books, um, basically I compartmentalize them since they're they're mostly stories. I, I make sure I have the chronological order in, in, in correct and then I'll just do it a story at a time. Each story is like a separate entity. I'm finished with that one, on right. to the next one, and, uh, and, and then move on that way. Right, right, okay. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so in those novels, you don't get surprised? Your characters don't start doing things? That oh, you... they evolve. <laughs> they evolve sometimes to where I, I didn't originally have really? them going. But, but the basic, I, I haven't changed with any of them. I haven't decided that... Uh, I'll give you one example of where I, I almost changed it, but I didn't. In the uh, the first thriller that I have, uh, it's the main character is a cop named um, Bobby Moylan, who I used Moylan. It's the my in-laws' name, last name. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sorry, my name is my mother-in-law's maiden name. Right, Moylan. Yeah, I used that and. Um, He's a veteran cop, and the story kind of revolves around him. And he gets killed at the end. And when I got to the end, I was saying to myself, well, is this a good idea? Because if I want to do another book, right. he's dead. Uh, and, <laughs> but then I said, but the story doesn't work unless he's dead. So I, I, I started rewriting it with him living, and it, didn't, it just didn't work. That's so so I, just, yeah, I just had to keep him dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that you talk like that because, you know, sometimes people who are readers or, or watchers of movies or TV shows will complain about an ending. They have no idea that the creative brains behind him were like, I tried it that other way. Believe me, it doesn't work. It had to be. <laughs> You know, I'm glad to hear that from the the artist itself. <laughs> Do you have more than one manuscript going at the same time? Do you write what you feel at any particular moment? Yeah, I've I've had that where uh, where I have a couple of things going at once, but I don't normally I won't be going like from one and then I'll just put it to there. It'll, we're talking about I'll put something aside for weeks or months maybe and then come back to right, it right. and say, okay, I started this. But I usually just, when I'm concentrating on something, it's going to be one. But I'll have, I right now I don't have anything on, but I'll have times I could have a few things actually started. Right, yeah. but, but you're going to actually right. finish mm -hmm. one of them. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be toggling between other things at the same right. time. Are, are you a, a typer, a dictator, or are you doing this with pen and paper? Oh no, I'm I'm sitting at the. I don't do anything with pen and paper. Okay. I don't do any dictating? I tried 
this voice stuff that doesn't yes, work doesn't for me. Do it, no. I just have to sit at a, at a okay. keyboard. Okay. Because everybody's got their different yeah. method. I, I've had authors that, that they'll have reams of paper that they actually <laughs> wrote with a pen. Wow. <laughs> I would never be able to read my own writing. Oh, if really? I, yes. <laughs> really? That bad? Yes. Huh? Catholic education. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I did that too. And I learned how to write some cursive. So any tips for any writers out there? Uh, anything that's worked for me is just that, that original statement we made is write what you know. Because it, it flows a lot easier when you're writing something that you do have some familiarity with. Like I said before, I, I, I have the utmost respect and I don't understand sometimes how people who have never been involved in a certain industry or a certain business or a certain occupation or hobby and they're able to write so mm -hmm. expertly on it right. is the research that must be involved with that. Well, thank goodness they do, or we would know nothing about the Civil War, let's say, right, or anything right. else. You know, somebody mm -hmm. has to do that. But, mm -hmm. uh, but in general, it's a, it's a great thing to say is write what you know. You can then stream it out. And, and you would think that that's why at least the majority of people are writing anyway, is to turn on a spigot of their own creativity. True. Kind of as you have. So was this a surprise? I mean, this has all been in the past several years. Five years ago, would you have thought that you were, would be sitting here with a, a stack of books and more to come? Is that anything you ever thought would happen? No, I never did with that. I, I never thought. Once I got, like I think a lot of people, once I got that first book done, you want to sit back and say, all right, great, I'm I have, <laughs> I'm done. And now, and, but, uh, but. I just enjoyed the writing process so much with it that I just kept going with it. That is so fabulous because so many, so many stop at just one. I mean, heck, we have, you know, some great American novels that they stopped at just one. And, <laughs> and we're all sitting here 100 years later wishing they would have written the second <laughs> book. We're very, very excited that you, you opted to write the second book <laughs> and the third book yeah. and the fourth book. So there's more to come. Would you ever try another genre, or do you like where you are? I, I like where I am. I, I don't want to say I wouldn't, but I, I guess it's, it's uh, you know, the fear of going into the water. I, right, I don't right. know of some other genre, other than possibly, again, possibly dipping into that railroad type of stuff. Right. I don't know where else I would go where I'd feel any kind of comfort right. level. I'm not going to be writing romance. Right, right. I'm not going to, you know. Uh, and historical, as much as you might like reading, is I, not I'm not going to research that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I've read many books on Custer's Last Stand, and I couldn't write something to put a different slant on, on, <laughs> on that. You know, it's uh, other than saying Custer survived. I, I right. you, know, yeah, you know. Well, what you're doing is obviously working. Um, where can our viewers find you? Do you have a website? Website, robertbryanauthor.com. I would say mainly, though, would be my Amazon author page. Look up Robert L. Bryan on Amazon. And, and they'll just keep finding lots and lots of things. And if they're anything like me, they're going to look and say, wait a minute, he didn't write this book about, uh, um, you know, public speaking. He's a cop. Or he didn't yeah. write this book <laughs> about the, uh, the railroad. The railroad uh, one was the one that I said, yes. this can't possibly be you. And you said, Yep, that's me. <laughs> that's my son on the cover. You yes. said. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I said, I can't believe this. I figured it was some other Robert Bryan who <laughs> infiltrated your page. <laughs>
Thanks so much for joining us for Once in Future Authors. If you've enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Reviews help other interested listeners to find the show, so your review could launch new books every day. Thanks again for joining us, and happy writing!